Hello, and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How's it going? It's going all right. All right. A lot have happened. Lots lots happened in uh, the last week. Yeah. Um, Let's not even talk about it. We know what's on everyone's mind. Exactly. The thing that happened this week. Oh, my God. That everyone knows about. Devastating. Uh, No, it's mere minutes after we finished our last uh, episode. Um, And we're going to do this. is going to be the one that goes up while we're away. Um, assuming I can get, assuming they have the internet in New Orleans. Um, but, uh, so this one's going to be fun, probably shorter, and, uh, this is also going to be our sort of populist episode. That's what you think. Here's the thing. (laughs) Uh, I'm positive I'm going to offend more people with this week's episode than with my statement at the beginning of last week's episode. And well, uh, and I'll get into that in a moment. So, but you've got something to talk about, apparently. Well, just up top. Speaking of populism, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Speaking of populism, I was trying to like force it into populism. You'll find a way. Okay. Uh, a very popular, at least by box office, uh, actor slash former comedian will be hosting the Oscars next year. Yes, he will. His name is Eddie Murphy, and I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best Oscars are the ones hosted by people, in my opinion, hosted by people who are funny now, mm-hmm. not by people who used to be funny. Yeah, when's the last time he performed, like, on stage in, yeah, any, in I, any way? I wonder. I mean, I, I, as a big comedy nerd and a fan of stand-up comedy's history, I don't want to denigrate him too much because right. he was very skilled at what he did. Even though I think it's hard for me, even in the context of the era, to forgive some of the stuff he said about gays and stuff in, in, his, in his. I've never actually seen any of his stand-up. Oh yeah, um, and he's he was a fan, he was fantastic at the craft of stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. If you watch Raw and Delirious, um, they they really are sights to behold. It's another thing I've been thinking. Of. This is. A, Another tangent, but um, I talked in the last episode about the WTF with Mark Maron, mm-hmm. and the number of comedians that I don't like as com- like, whose comedy I don't like mm-hmm. that I realize I like as people because of that show is staggering. Hmm. And then there's the other way where there are comedians like Patrice O'Neill, who I think is one of the funniest guys, oh, yeah. hands down, but who as a person is a nightmare and had just <laughs> I. I wouldn't want to be in the same room with him after listening to I his found, WTF. I found him very fascinating and very complex. And I'm not sure if I would go quite so far as to call him a nightmare, but it's just like, I can't figure you out. And there's, and I'm, I feel like if I were to delve yeah. deeper, bad things would happen. Yeah, I don't want to go into the specific, what he, specifics of what he said. You, right. I'm sure you can, I think that episode's probably for sale for 99 cents, mm-hmm. like a lot of the older WTFs are. It's worth listening to. And it will leave you wondering what happened to Patrice O'Neill in his childhood to lead him to think of the world in the way that he does. Yeah. Because it's pretty horrible. And he says some of it, you know, some of the stuff that happened to him, like in his teen years and such. Mm -hmm. Um, But But, his comedy, great. I love his comedy. Yeah. At the same time, we talked about Andrew Dice Clay. Like, he was was delightful. Um, Even someone like Dimitri Martin, who I don't actually have any, like, objections against. I've just never really been into his comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was, it seems like a great, great guy. Yeah. Yeah. uh, anyway, that's not that's not my objection to Eddie Murphy hosting the Oscars. It's just that 
clearly the academy is mostly filled with people who are older. That's I mean that's been true for pretty much ever. Yeah. Um, and uh, also people who probably pay attention to box office receipts and they know that that they think of it. They think Eddie Murphy's still who he was relevant. or still relevant. Yeah. yeah. Whereas to me, it sounds like a uh, recipe for disaster. Well, I think they were so desperate after last year to get back to like a comedian and get back to like a big star because that's what they've been. They've been trying to go with star. Who hosted last year? I always forget. Oh really? Yeah. Oh okay. James Franco and Anne Hathaway. Oh yeah, that was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're so desperate to get away from that that I, I think they're they're going anywhere they can. And it's like, well, he was a comedian. He is a big star. Un, you know, whereas uh, I think maybe they're hoping for almost a Steve Martin, who I think did very well when he was on his own. Uh, and so I think that's their thinking, not realizing that Steve Martin is just as much like a witty personality, and he still performs albeit in a, in a different way, but he still performs on stage and is still comfortable with that. And I, I don't know. And just Eddie Murphy, like, what is it about his comedy in the 80s? Of course, I, I've, I've heard a little bit here and there, but I haven't heard a lot of stuff. And the stuff that I, I've heard, none of it seems like the kind of thing where, well, let's have him host a show for several hours that is supposed to be very sanitized, by the way. Yeah, the, these people would have never had would never have chosen Eddie Murphy in 1985 to direct right. the Oscars when that probably would have made for a more lively and fun uh, telecast. Yeah. You know, just like, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. You know, I think, I don't know, say Zach Galifianakis would probably be a fun host now, mm-hmm. but maybe he'll be chosen in 20 years when he's right. been <laughs> neutered by his fame and wealth. <laughs> And is no longer funny. It is. It is frustrating. We've had this conversation. Uh, I remember you and I had this conversation uh, back when we lived together in Chicago. Like, just who do we think would be like a great, like a great host? And it is. It's difficult to figure out who would be really good. John Stewart is very, very good, but that he does. He's very, very good. If if he hosted for the next ten years, I'd be perfectly happy with that. But he does seem to lack something. A certain energy and like exuberance hmm. that you, I think you need to fill that room. And don't get me wrong, I don't think Billy. I don't think Billy Crystal is incredibly funny, but he did well at that because there's a theatricality to him that fit, and he fills that room. He can be the right amount of sarcastic, but he still buys into the idea of the Oscars. I'm not saying you you need to. I think John Stewart played a very important role which is to deflate the self-importance of the oscars but i feel like you i don't know carson was great yeah bob hope was pretty good if you go back and watch footage from that i know i think hold on i know she did the emmys i can't remember she did i think she did the oscars too but also a totally inoffensive choice for most people but also someone who has a talk show and is regularly in front of crowds and is a legitimately funny presence and personality ellen degeneres she did host the oscars okay yes. she hosted the emmys as well but she was almost too harmless a presence she was almost a non-presence at the oscars ah. um and it was and it was unfortunate but she's very funny yeah i i think like i'm not saying it needs to be whatever like you know our friend kyle canane although that would be awesome oh. like i'm not like that much of a like 
comedy, hardcore comedy nerd that it, I think it needs mm-hmm. to be someone like that who's like on the cutting edge. Uh, I'm okay with the idea that it needs to be someone that America is comfortable with. Right. But you also have to. There's a thing that you hear a lot of comedians say, um, like someone like Jerry Seinfeld when he mm-hmm. does stand up comedy. Because he's Jerry Seinfeld, when he walks out on stage to do comedy, he gets a few minutes of leeway. Yes. After that, he has to be a funny comedian again. It's, right. He can't coast for a whole hour on just being Jerry Seinfeld. Right. And I think the Academy needs to realize that when they pick a host. Like, the I, the fact that that's movie star Eddie Murphy is going to wear off by the first commercial break and then he better fucking host the Oscars. And that's why you need someone like an Ellen DeGeneres who can keep things going and moving. And, or, you know, or somebody like a Chris Rock or a John Stewart. Chris Rock was great. I lo- I loved Chris Rock. People say that he was bad. Why did they? Th- why nah, did they think nah. that? In the years that I've been watching the Oscars, one of my favorite hosts. I thought Chris it. Rock. Yeah, I thought he was great. And so like, but someone like a Chris Rock or a John Stewart or a Billy Crystal, people who have experience performing that wasn't forever ago, they can sort of roll with the punches and they can make stuff up on the fly. And uh, I feel like you you do need that. And uh, who knows? A year from now, we could be like, man, I hope Eddie Murphy does it every year. Yeah. Depending on uh, you know whose joke writers are and stuff. But uh, I don't know. It's. I wonder if uh, the. I, let me ask you this. Okay. You and I have talked in the past about how there are definitely movie stars these days, like a George Clooney and a, and a Brad Pitt. But they are also they're expected to be actors, and rightfully so. That's fine. But the movie stars of, like, yesteryear, they they were all good actors, but Jimmy Stewart and Humphrey Bogart and Cary Grant and James Cagney, like, they were all, each of the, they all had a brand. They had a, a very distinct way of speaking, a very distinct look, and I do feel like that's sort of, that's how it was with some of the better Oscar hosts, like Johnny Carson, like Bob Hope. Uh, like Billy Crystal, they have, in many ways, they are sort of a throwback to a certain kind of personality that I think is old school that the Oscars seems to want to embrace. Like, these days, you either go too far in one direction, like a Hugh Jackman, where it's so up with people and fun, and that's fine, but, like, ultimately, who cares? Like... We, we just want to hear some fun jokes in which you poke fun at Hollywood, but not too much Ricky Gervais. He didn't host the Oscars, but like, or Chris Rock or Jon Stewart. Like, yeah, there's, there's just... I think one of the differences between someone who's an actor first and someone who's a comic first mm-hmm. is that an actor is almost, has almost been trained to bury their personality because yeah. they're playing roles, whereas a comic has to have an intensely focused uh, and clear personality a character as you're talking about and that's what makes for you know who would make i wish he were more famous one of my favorite comedians today and if he were more famous he had a he had been in a movie or two or had a tv show or a talk show or something Mm -hmm. he'd be the greatest oscar host and that's todd glass he would be so (laughs) awesome at it if you don't know who todd glass is look up his uh some of his comedy yeah um he he's a perfect like showman yeah he would be awesome. My vote's Bill Dwyer. Um, Bill and Dwyer not, also a Not guy just because he's been on the show, but he should host everything all the time. Because I was, I was thinking that, like, the thing I like about Johnny Carson in general, but also as an Oscar host, is that he was very good at being... He was very affable. He was very likable. He was... 
the, okay, I'm saying this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I mean it in a good way. He was a rascal. You know what I mean? Like, he could say sarcastic things. He could deflate Hollywood a little bit without deflating it completely and approaching it totally from a cynical point of uh-huh. view. Oh, uh, and I, see, I see a lot of new faces here tonight. Especially Someone- on the old faces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just... Uh, Welcome to the Academy Awards. Uh, uh, two hours of sparkling entertainment stretched out over a four-hour show. Like <laughs> stuff like that is, you know, it's of course it's all like, hey, he's making fun of the Oscars. That's what you. That's what the hosts do. But the way he does it, his delivery, the joke itself, there was something about him where he, you sort of need like, I keep using words like old school. You look at like the, it's almost like the difference between the old Dean Martin roasts and the roasts now. Uh-huh. The old roasts. The jokes had a bit of a they they could have a bit of a sting to them, but it was all in good fun. But that doesn't mean the jokes weren't true. Uh, now it's just hateful. Uh-huh. Not to imply the Oscars are hateful, but a lot of a but, lot of comedians now it, there's such a cynicism to them. It, I think it's not hateful, but it, both have lost a lot of their soul. Right, but they've gained much more edge, and I think uh, I don't know, and I can't think of anybody except someone like. You know, there are a number of comics that I think could do a great job. Our friend Jimmy Pardo. Our friend Jimmy... Oh, my gosh. He's a born host. Just just working the crowd. George, am I pronouncing that right? George? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, and so... And I remember somebody... I I don't remember who said this on Never Not Funny, but someone just like... It's like, wouldn't it be funny if just out of the blue, Brody Stevens was tapped to host the Oscars? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're getting kind of inside baseball here with our comedy nerd. Sorry. Comedy nerd. Um, references, but uh, yeah, Brody Stevens is a, he would be a great choice, but he's more of a sports guy. Whoa. So that gets us into our topic. So it'd be our populist topic. And there's of course a very big thing happening at the week, at least the week we're recording it a week ago uh, or so by the time you're listening to this, um, tonight, the night of recording, the NFL is back. Are you ready for some football, David? Uh, I am. Okay. Um, after a uh, after a scary off season where we thought there might be a lockout, although I I think a lot of people never really thought there were gonna, there was going to be a lockout. I didn't believe it. <laughs> you didn't fi- you didn't know about it until just now, did nope. you? <laughs> I was talking about this um, at uh, at Comic Con this year at uh, I can't remember the name of the bar Mahoney's or something uh, Mulvaney's something like that with um, Ryan Gallagher from the Criterion Cast about how. Like, most of my friends are sort of nerdy or geeky guys, and probably always were, but it seems like there comes an age sometime in the early to mid-twenties where some guys just give in to that natural guyness and realize they've been sport- they're, they're sports fans, even though they rejected it all through high school. Mm-hmm. And then there are guys like you, Tyler, and like Ryan from Criterion Cast, who clearly it's not for them. And it, at this point, never will be. Slow down. Like, it is too late for you. Okay. Uh, thank you for that, by the way. that's Everyone likes to be told, it's too late for you. Uh, <laughs> but not for a... I mean, not for a... Here's not the, that being a sports fan is necessarily a good thing. I can go and watch baseball, and I will enjoy myself immensely. I know you I, used to go to Blackhawks games when we lived in yes, Chicago. Yes, we, well, I mean... I wish I could go to hockey games now, but they're just so damn expensive. Blackhawk tickets at the time, like at the door, you could pay eight bucks and get yeah. you know nosebleed seats. But well, that's still, not, that's not true anymore because they because they're doing well now. They won the cup not this past season, but the season before. So that's the thing. I don't follow sports, uh, but I can watch, 
any any number of sports. My preference is baseball because uh, it's the one that I can follow the most because that's the one I was pretty much raised with uh, with my dad. But uh, you know, I went and saw. Uh, I've seen a gone to a couple Angels games this year. I went to a Dodgers game, um, and I do find myself when it looks like there's going to be a home run, I start instinctively clapping and standing up, and I start making yeah. a noise like. So it's not. I'm. It's not that I don't like sports. The when when I go and I'm surrounded by people, it's a lot of fun, and I'm invested, and it's and it's great. I'm not so invested that if the team loses, as the Angels frequently do, uh, not this last game though, eight to zero. Um, <laughs> the uh, if the if the team loses, I don't. You know, if they don't win, it's a shame. That's all I say. <laughs> all I have to say. Um, but uh, but no. But the one I'll say this: the sport that I don't watch could not give less of a shit about okay all right admittedly mma couldn't give less of a shit about that and i think it's actually damaging our country but aside (laughs) from that uh football i could never i've gone to football games and i i'm bored out of my mind i don't care and therein lay why i why you know you said this is sort of a populist topic it's like really because i'm sure in my total lack of ability to discuss football in any kind of technical way as i talk about these movies i'm going to offend people um not because i can't talk about it in detail but i'm sure like like well you know football is sort of like this but i'm only basing it on movies that i've seen and so somebody might be offended and think that i'm over generalizing about football fans or something um I want to get to the topic in a second, but your your story about clapping for home runs reminded me of a, a story, like a thing I came to a realization about myself. The difference between me now and like the high school me, who mm-hmm. not only wouldn't have cared to cheer at a sporting event, but probably would have been too shy and self-conscious and reserved mm-hmm. to even do so. Um, I was at last season um, at, a, at a Kings game, um, and they're playing the Florida Panthers. So two teams who aren't really contenders. The mm-hmm. Kings are... Uh, the, the, whole, the, the whole night was just God bless them. <laughs> no. uh, you know, the Kings are on their way. I think, but um, it was uh, tied two to two with about two minutes left in the game. Triple two, and so we're looking at we're looking at going to overtime. But then, two minutes left in the game, Andre Kopitar with the backhand scores a goal. And at that point, if you know, you know, it, they're up by one with less than two minutes left they're probably going to win the game. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that goal went in, I, I leapt to my feet and I was like, yeah. Yeah. And then I went like, whoa, who am I? That's exactly <laughs> that exact, that sequence of events right down to me being, I like a player of the angels. Sorry. I don't know. Uh, Tory Hunter. Sounds I, I right. Tor- I Tory, I think with two eyes, well. which is strange. Um, I think like he hit a home run and like, as it happened, I was like, I started clapping and, and I start clapping to sort of cheer the ball along, yeah. I guess. And then when it finally goes over, I'm like, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, I feel like such a fraud. But, but uh, uh, so. well, here we are talking about baseball and hockey. But really, like I said, the NFL is back. It's the most uh, popular and certainly profitable sport uh, in America. And... Um, we're all we're all glad it's back. It, uh, <laughs> sorry, d- uh, Tyler's cat is trying to kill him. Yeah. Um, uh, we're we're all we're all glad it's back. 
you know, not just because we all like football, which a lot of us do, but also because here's a chance for more stories to be told that could maybe inspire movies somewhere down the line. Because here's what I'm going to say, and I don't know if you'll agree, but even though it's your least favorite of the of the let's say the big four sports, um, football is maybe the most filmic sport that there is. So we're just going to talk about fi- football movies. Filmic? Let, let's get into it, shall we? Oh, sorry. I, I guess we, I forgot that we had not said what the topic was, and I kind of spoiled it when I said we're going to be talking about no, football movies. Okay. Um, the most filmic. Now, if you said the most filmed, I'd say yes. But the most filmic, I don't know if I agree. Boxing is pretty damn here's, filmic. Here's why. And boxing is good, too, because the... Uh, okay. Here's why football is more filmic than boxing. Okay. Because there's just more action. Uh, I've, I mean, boxing, there's two people. On a football field, there's 22. So yeah, there's but boxing more going is just on. a fight. It's just fighting. Let me, let me get into okay. it. Okay. There's more going on. There's also movement. Mm-hmm. There's a clear direction down the field, but that takes time, like a movie. Mm-hmm. And also... Unlike, say, basketball or hockey, which is kind of like it just keeps going until there's a, a foul or a goal or right. something. Even in basketball, even when there's a basket, they keep going. Uh, a, a football game is broken down into scenes. I think that's why boxing is maybe somewhat filmic is because the rounds can serve as scenes. And you can tell a three-act story through a boxing match because mm-hmm. you can do three rounds or 12 rounds, however you want to, you know, however long it goes. But... Um, the the stop start nature of football makes it um, not only more filmic but just more uh, narratively digestible. I think and that's why that's why something like Friday Night Lights, the TV show, and the movie. We'll talk about the movie here. Uh, doesn't need to be. You don't need to be into football. I know I'm the ten millionth person to say so. You don't need to be into football to like it Absolutely. because they can use, just like boxing. I'm not into boxing. I love boxing movies. Yeah. Uh, because they can use the structure of the game to tell the story. Because you can, you get to stop every few seconds and uh, and understand what the next thing means as opposed to the constant movement. I actually think because you, because I, I, I think I was impl- inclined to be with you until you said that there's more narrative potential in football than in boxing i disagree okay because because football is if you want to look at the sport itself it's not you do have a quarterback yes but Uh it's largely an ensemble film uh Uh, you know boxing boxing, it's one-on-one there's a hero and villain usually i mean that's how movies tend to make it um unfortunately uh and what's and what's more is, it is a per, like usually boxing itself becomes a gr- a perfect metaphor for the characters. I'm sorry to be talking so much about boxing. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. But um, the because what you have is a character who all he knows how to do is fight, and so in the ring, it's just him in a pair of shorts. Like he is literally stripped to his. To who it, the essence he's of who he is? Mouth guard and gloves. I know, but like shoes. But he's don't, he doesn't have a helmet or Unless pads. It's MMA, which isn't boxing. Nah. So, and you can see, you can see. <laughs> I'm his, not going to let you get out of this episode without talking about MMA. MMA, by the way. Okay. And so, um, you mean the modern coliseum? Anyway, 
the uh, I've probably pissed some. Uh, what do you think the odds? What do you think the the overlap in this Venn diagram is of battleship pretension fans who love MMA? Here's the thing: even if it's one, He's my understanding of what MMA fans are is that they're they're pretty dedicated. Yeah, dedicated is that is that how you're saying it? <laughs> I have no problem with him. I, mean, I think you meant incarcerated. I have technically no problem with MMA other than the fact that I don't care for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I know this sounds like a stupid thing to say because it's people beating the shit out of each other, but frankly, I find it boring. Hmm. Because I, I, I honestly, I find boxing boring too when it's not happening in a movie. Oh yeah. Oh, I find I find football in film to be very fascinating. When I'm watching it, it looks like the most boring thing. It looks uh, it seems like they're moving slowly, and I realize if I was right there, this would be very, very exciting. But I'm only watching. Well, they are moving slowly. It's a. It's a. It's a game of inches, David. Yeah, and it's a march forward. It's a march mm-hmm. down the field, and I feel like if you like if you like war movies, you should like football because they're both telling the same kinds of stories. If I like war movies, I should like football, the sport. Yeah. Yes. I that can't. Well, I I don't think that works because I like war movies and I don't <laughs> like football. Um, but I do think that uh, in boxing movies, the fact that you can see their faces, um, right. They go back to their corners, they get a chance to regroup, and each new right. round is a new opportunity. They get a chance to look in the crowd and realize their wife showed up when they right. didn't think she was going to, and their marriage is probably going to be safe if they can just win this round. Damn right. <laughs> but you know what? This she is does, the kind of thing that happens. But you know what? She movie. she doesn't she doesn't care as long as he's safe. Um, but uh, oh, I'm sorry. Are you saying that? The boxing movies can be a little cliche sometimes. I, sports, I think sports movies in okay. general can be a little cliche. All right. But we keep talking about boxing. Okay, let's. Uh, I, I want to. Speaking of cliches, yes, let's talk about uh, box uh, uh, football movies. So, um, okay. David, what are some of your favorite football movies? And why? Um, Friday Night Lights, the movie. That's probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite. I'm trying to think. I named some before because I. We kind of just thought of this topic because we didn't know we were going to be doing a second episode tonight. Yeah. So I didn't have time to make a, a big list. What did I name before? Uh, you named Friday Night, Friday Night Lights, Lights, Remember the Titans, Any Given Sunday. Any Given Sunday. Rudy. Uh, yeah, Rudy sucks. Others, I'm sure. Um, what's that? Others, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, North Dallas 40. I never saw it. Uh, Neither did I. MASH, The Longest Yard. Longest Yard, yeah. Um, With Adam Sandler, right? I never saw that one. That one, I thought it was the only one. <laughs> um, let's, uh, yeah, I think Friday Night Lights is probably my favorite football movie, the more I think about it. Um, and I think because it's... Uh, it manages to be... Uh, the, the story of the football games managed to be told excitingly, mm-hmm. like any given Sunday, but not feeling manufactured or contrived like any given sunday any given sunday is a movie that i liked when i was in high school and it came out and i watched it again recently and it's it really didn't hold up for me like, i watched I really it again like i watched it again recently as well and uh parts of it and certain characters hold up for me okay i think it's i think it's one of jamie fox's better performances i like mm-hmm. that character quite a bit Mm-hmm. Um, and Al Pacino, of course, but and then like little con- little side conflicts here and there, like between James Woods and Matthew Modine, and James Woods turns in a really good performance for a very basic character. Um, yeah, 
So there's there's a but lot of I, elements I like, that I, I like. John C. McGinley. <laughs> I like him more now because of the time that I saw it, I didn't know who Jim Rome was. Mm-hmm. And now that I know that John McGinley was pretty much specifically doing a Jim Rome impression, I actually mm-hmm. like the performance more now because it makes me laugh. I like John C. McGinley and everything. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, all right. So, uh, well, we've mentioned two movies. You want to talk about Friday Night Lights or any given Sunday? Uh, let's talk about Friday Night Lights. Don't let me okay. forget Longest Yard, though, because I want to talk about okay. it. Okay. I've never seen it. Okay. So, um... Okay, Friday Night Lights. Here's what I like about it, and this is this is where uh, what's where I'm probably going to get into trouble because I only know football to a point, mostly from movies, but also from when I lived in Nixon, Missouri, for a few years. Uh, it was a very like the 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 community itself was very sporting. They they supported uh, the high school supported all of its teams, but. Football and basketball were basically it, and football was really it, and so, um, and so I, I basically could see that culture. It was nowhere near uh, the the care the the situation in Friday Night Lights, but it, it is interesting. So because Friday Night Lights, it, it is about football. When I say that, I mean everything about football. Not merely the game, not merely the players, but the culture of football. This this town, it lives and breathes football. And, and what I like about... I mean, this is the case with almost every sports movie, but with this movie especially, when a character on the field makes a mistake, we this, the, the stakes are so high because we realize he's going to hear about that everywhere. He cannot escape it. You don't leave your mistakes on the field Mm -hmm. uh, in this community. And so there is such pressure to be perfect on the coach, certainly, but on the kids as well. And, and so more, more so than just a win or a loss or redemption or any of these other things. It's like your life could be effectively ruined because many of these people might not ever leave this town. And if you, I mean, Hey, if you won a championship when you were in high school and that was 15, 20 years ago, you're still viewed like that. And if you lost a championship 15 years ago, you're viewed like that if mm-hmm. you stay in this community. And so every little mistake they make, every victory they have is always going to be with them. And and of course, the, the character of uh, Booby Miles, played by Derek Luke, mm-hmm. great character, great performance, but his story is so tragic because he hurts his knee and he can't play football anymore. And there's a moment when when he cries and he says, the only thing I know how to do is play football. And it's not merely all he wants to do. It's literally all he can do. And that's what this particular community builds these people up to be. And by the way, God help you if you're a woman, because (laughs) you're expected to, I guess, do anything you can. You you will be flung to these uh, gladiators. Um, And, uh, and so that's that's what I like about the film is that and the 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 shots the, the footage of the game and and the way it's cut it's very urgent you really feel everything there so cinematically it's wonderful but everything behind it really adds la- a lot of layers to every single play of the game so that's why I like Friday Night Lights what about you David 
I mean, you definitely got in, got into it because it is about uh, Friday Night Lights manages to talk about all the good things that you see in movies like. Um, I'm guessing, like, Remember the Titans. I never saw it. I did. But I saw Glory Road, which is essentially the basketball <laughs> version, right? From what I understand. Okay, yeah. Uh, did you see Glory Road? No, I didn't. All right. Between us, we've seen the the dumb Jerry Bruckheimer sports movies. Okay. Um, uh, but unlike those, or, or, in fact, like those, it displays the the good heartwarming community things about how football and sports in general bring people together but it also has this realistic eye and uh, on on it and shines a spotlight on the, all the bad things. Mm-hmm. And the Booby Miles story in particular is uh, um, very illustrative of one of the biggest things about sports that's both good and bad. Um, it's mostly good that sports, and it's part of the reason I like sports so much, is that it's... Um, it's an equalizer in terms of in terms of class. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Uh, I feel I, a friend of mine in Chicago used to say that like the thing he likes about sports is that it doesn't matter who your father is if you can throw a baseball 100 miles per hour, you can make a million dollars. I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but like, and that is a really heartwarming thing about about sports that it that it um. Uh, all all the things that keep people down in our normal society, these, like, just perpetuated things about class and the fact that whatever class you're born into is the one you're most likely going to stay in, mm-hmm. um, uh, all that is out the window. And it's just about pure physical prowess and also if you can get the best drugs. Um, Cynical. But, uh, on, on the other hand... Um, this idea that it's the only thing Booby knows is part of the bad thing about that is that um, a lot of times, you know, if you look at a documentary like Hoop Dreams, I feel like we keep talking about other sports, but like if you're poor and black, uh, you kind of have it pondered in your head pretty early on that there are only a few ways out of your situation. And um, uh, a, a character like Booby, who probably showed great athletic skill very early on, was likely never pushed to be good at academics. Right. Uh, so he, uh, everyone, he, it's not that he put all his eggs in one basket. He's still a teenager. He's still a right. kid. Everybody put all his eggs in one basket for him. And the, that's the tragic thing. Yeah. Uh, you brought up um, Hoop Dreams. I was actually going to bring up. Uh, a very notable scene in season four of The Wire. Uh, this is also about basketball, by the way, in which uh, inner city school children, they are asked, where do you think you will be in, I think, 10 years? Uh-huh. And they and she said, how many people, how many said the NBA? And a few hands go up. And she says, how many people said dead? Yeah. And a lot more hands go up. Yeah. And then one of the kids like, wow, you saw that coming, didn't yeah. you? And it's like, yeah. I mean, because... In, in, and, and that's that's a good thing and of course a bad thing is that in certain cultures like you can either do this this is the only way you can get out of this mm-hmm. or you're basically dead even if you're not dead your life is basically over um, and uh, it's very tragic that scene is very very tragic mm-hmm. um, but that is that is like you said that is something that is good about it um, yeah. because 
it it uh, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with comedians. Is that like it doesn't matter how famous you are after four minutes if you can't make people laugh, they don't care. Right. So, uh, yeah, comedy is kind of a, an equalizer like that too. Um, moving on from Friday Night Lights, um, and I, I don't know how to segue into this, but the thing I really want to talk about uh, at the beginning of this segment or whatever, one of the uh, intro to the main topic here, I talked about how football is the most popular sport in America. I keep referring to this as a populist thing. Mm -hmm. And there definitely is um, a sort of... I'm not sure what the word is, but if you look at the way it's promoted, it is mainstream, it's it's promoted as largely family friendly and if you look back at the 70s mm-hmm. if you look at mash and the longest yard um and also you know other sports movies in that era like slapshot like uh professional sports are not depicted as being a thing you take your family to they're, yeah. they're Depicted, not that Mash or Longest Yard are professional, but that's not the point. They're, uh, Burt Reynolds plays a professional who goes to prison. Um, they're, they're depicted as brutally violent things. Yeah. And that's the appeal. Um, there's a part in The Longest Yard, which is not actually that great a movie, but is, is fun to watch. Um, but do you know the premise of The Longest Yard? Longest Yard? The convicts play against the gods. Right, right. Um, and one of the convicts... Uh, um, uh, hits the guard, one of the guards, so hard he has to be carted off, and it just cuts to the convict standing there on the uh, on the sideline and just so joyfully and gleefully going, "I think I broke his fucking neck. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I broke his fucking neck." <laughs> it's the best part of the movie, and also kind of like stomach churning at the same time. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I'm not sure what does I mean, that. That's the difference between sports in the '70s and sports now. The reason it's become so much more profitable over the last 40 years is be is is because it's become a family primetime entertainment type of thing well you can say that i'm i'm not saying you're wrong i'm saying you're right but i think you're being too narrow in your focus Uh in the last 15 to 20 years if you make something it's been shown if you make something family friendly it will be more profitable for example den of sin las vegas uh-huh. Uh, which was which was up until recently when the attitude was you know what happens in Vegas stays yeah. in Vegas, um, but like that's that's one and of course movies in the eighties like comedies and horror movies and action movies all hard rated R yeah now of course uh, you're getting back to it with horror movies and with certain comedies you're getting back to a, a, a rated R thing but in the in the nineties yeah. the general attitude was. If we go with PG-13, I'm looking at you, Alien versus Predator. If we go with, uh, which, not that that was ever going to be good anyway, but like, if we go with PG-13, we'll be able to bring in more people, and that's more profitable. A great example of this, and this will tie into our uh, pre-topic topic, topic, it's how you get Eddie Murphy going from 48 hours, probably, in my opinion, a lot of people disagree, a lot of people like trading places and coming to America, 48 hours is probably my favorite Eddie Murphy film that he's ever done. He's really good in Beverly Hills Cop, I like Uh, that. 
he's good. I don't think the movie as a whole holds up. No. It definitely uh, peters out once it actually has to have a plot and like have an action finale, which is like. Martin Brest does a lot of things well, but he does not film an action. Like, yeah. the action in that last scene is uh, really lame. Yeah. Uh, he's not good at uh, that sort of spatial uh, editing. Anyway, uh, but that's how you, you get Eddie Murphy going from 48 Hours, which is not only a great movie, but a hard R, and it's about people who aren't good people. Yeah. Like, Nick Nolte is a horrible person. I, I feel like I've talked about this movie a lot on the podcast. Yeah. Nick Nolte is not a good person in that movie. And then... What's, you know, a more recent buddy cop movie, Showtime, with Eddie Murphy oh. and Robert De Niro? Uh, PG-13, by the way. I Spy is sort of I a spy, buddy cop. I Spy, sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah this is... The, the, the Movies have tracked much the same uh, uh, trajectory as um, as professional sports have in America. Um, the, the, these, the NFL, NFL, NBA... Uh, MLB, NHL might as well be, you know, Fox, Warner Brothers, Disney, no. Paramount, and uh, and yeah, and so a lo- I look at a lot of the movies on my list here, and a lot of them are, you know, just totally scrubbed clean. Everything is is really beautiful. It's all about hey, we're part of a team, so let's none of us have any conflict ever. Uh, that can't be sorted out easily. We've now, t- I've started talking about Remember the Titans. Okay, so, um, yeah, Remember the Titans is a bad movie. It's a movie that, okay, the first conversation I ever had in any, the first long conversation that I ever had with my wife was about Remember the Titans. I did not care for the film, and she liked it a lot. She recognized that it was not very good, but her attitude was, you know, it's just kind of a, a, it was a Disney film, a Disney live action film, I should specify. Um, and if you acknowledge that it's going to be family friendly, then that's okay. And I, and I do understand that, that you do need to have maybe slightly different standards. But, uh, but the thing that always bothered me is, does, let me ask you this, because you're more of a sports guy. Does it bother you when, when a film takes sports and uses that as a metaphor for something larger like here's the thing with friday night lights the football game takes on other it takes on more importance because of the situation but it's not used as a as a metaphor for something bigger where it's like you know everything can everything in this life you can learn by playing football (laughs) if if, if that's actually said out loud that's a bit trite it isn't but but it might as well be i'm I don't have a problem with it being used okay. as a, a metaphor. I mean, when it's done well, a movie, we keep getting away from football, but um, a movie that you and I were talking about recently that is good but not great is Gavin O'Connor's Miracle. Mm. And um, he does the hockey sequences very well. The rest of the movie is pretty cheesy. Mm. But it's clearly a metaphor there for right. um, not only for the, I guess, Cold War and struggle against communism, right. but also about the mental state of of um, of the U.S. at the end of the 1970s and early yeah. 1980s. And I mean, I guess, I mean that story itself. Just everything about it was like, "Hey, you want to sum up the?" Uh, <laughs> it, it just you don't have to embellish. It literally is someone saying, "Do you believe in miracles?" It just, it's got everything <laughs> you want, and it's just. I'm sure whatever uh, studio decided to make that movie, they're like, it's Disney. 
Di- okay, yeah. Disney was like, okay, so we really got to put the Disney touch. Uh, it's already there. It's fine. You don't need to. Don't worry about it. And so, um, but with Rem- Remember the Titans, the thing that bothered me, of course, it's about the first uh, like integrated high school football team. Um, oh, wow. So Glory Road really is the basketball. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, maybe it's not the first, but it's one of the first, and uh, maybe it's the first in the state in that state or something like that. Anyway, um, the the thing that bothered me was okay. Well, yeah, race. That's a pretty complex issue, right? I mean, it's very simple when you get right down to it, which is no race is better or worse than the others. That's very simple. But when it comes to race relations especially when you throw races that previously have been told to hate each other or at least fear each other, when you throw them into the mix together, that's going to be pretty rough. I mean, you look at, to me, the big difference, you look at Crash, you look at Do the Right Thing. Uh-huh. Which one is more, which one I think has a deeper understanding of what humanity really is as well as what it should be? It's do the right thing, whereas Crash, it just sums everything up very uh, very easily. Um, and people have said it's a fable, and okay, fair enough if you want to put it that way. That's Anyway, so remember the Titans, it's, you know, you've got like these racist uh, white football players. You've got like the the unassuming nice uh, black football players, and uh, but eventually they learn in the in the space of basically a two-week football camp, uh, they learn to put aside their differences. So immediately, like, that in itself, immediately, I was just like, two weeks, really? <laughs> Lifetime worth of uh, prejudice. <laughs> two weeks. Ah, but David... That's the power of football. That's the power of football. Um, and that, and that's, that's the frustrating thing, is they make it seem like... Uh, this will tie... Uh, this reminds me of our last episode. That, that kind of offends me. Yeah. It's, that's kind of offensive. I mean, I understand that... It's, I understand, If you want to make the idea that a team... Like people being forced to work together and live together, much like one could say American society in general. Um, so, if you wanted to say that, like this football team is America and microcosm, sort of a melting pot, and there will be tensions and stuff, I'm sort of okay with that as long as you don't. It, that is an, an oversimplification enough. Don't but oversimplify how the people. No, yeah, the thing is it. that. Though maybe simplified is ripe with possibility. Absolutely, but to make it like we live in America, we know that the melting pot has some pretty big downsides. Yeah, so like uh, when you force people to live together, you know. Before I lived in Southern California, I never knew anyone who was racist against Armenians. But there's <laughs> lots of people around here who are racist against Armenians because there's so many Armenians here. Yeah, uh, you know, this place back, is lousy with Armenians. <laughs> back in St. Louis, it's Bosnians. Uh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, biggest, uh, I keep giving facts about Missouri. <laughs> uh, it's, but it's the most fascinating state. Saint, Show me. That's what I say. St. Louis has the largest percentage of Bosnian uh, residents of any um, any American city. That fascinates me. Do you know why? I don't know why. David, let's look into this. Okay. Right now. Um, and so, remember the Titans, of course. Uh, I think maybe... Uh, I'm not hostile to, towards the idea of sports or the idea of football. If you like it, that's fine. But I think it's when, and it can be very important, it can be a symbol, much like in the story of Miracle. That's all well and good. But like when you try to turn it into this huge transformative thing that will fix all our problems the way, remember, the Titans does, where it's just like 
it's like, well, football at this point could be anything. Um, but you're saying that this thing can fix all all of our incredibly complex and deeply embedded problems. Yeah, uh, that's that's sort of what what bothers me uh, about Remember the Titans. Also, just in general, it's it's like, oh, it's a it's a uh, it's a, a nice clean movie about race. Will there be a brick through a bl- uh, brick through a window? You bet there will be. <laughs> so. Are you looking at my at my list? I'm sorry. Well, yeah, well, because like I said, I wanted this episode to be short. I still okay. got to go to the grocery store on the way home. So what are we at uh, right now? We're at 48 minutes. 48 minutes. I think okay. We can start wrapping uh, things up. Uh, I'll bring up uh, one or two more. We didn't really talk much about any given Sunday. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, let's go back to it. But, because that's uh, of all the movies we've talked about, that's the only one that's actually about the NFL. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, actually, now that I look at pretty much all of these, huh? Well, big fan is about it, but that's not really. That's about fandom. That's not about the game itself. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's true. Although it's not the it's not the NFL. I should say it's the only one that's about professional football. Oh, okay, because yeah. it's some I can't remember what they call it. It's some made up. Yeah. Uh, team. They, aren't they like the the Sharks? Or yeah. Something? Like the Los it's Angeles Sharks. Miami, I think. Miami Sharks. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's any given Sunday is of course hyperbolic as most modern. Oliver Stone films <laughs> will be, uh, but it's it's also ambitious, and I sort of like that. I kind of like that he is wi- that he wants to take on this thing, which other movies I, might might uh, clean it a li- clean it up a little too much and make it a little too squeaky, uh, and idealize it too much. I think he wants to be like, yeah, that's all well and good, but here's what it actually is. Of course, he maybe go he goes too far with the hyperbole, yeah. but he does, like, like the uh, again, this might not be only in the unrated version that I had mm-hmm. on VHS, but like the player's eyeball laying on the field after the one play, like the oh, guy yeah. gets his eyeball knocked out. I I feel like the script for any given Sunday is um, just a shitty uh, studio. Um, R-rated almost comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, like, um, you know, Necessary Roughness or, <laughs> <laughs> or like even The Last Boy Scout started with a, football, <laughs> a lot of football stuff in mm-hmm. it. Um, and then Oliver Stone came in and did, like, did his Stonian tomfoolery. Worked his magic. <laughs> uh, tomfoolery That's, is what I call it. I, I'm sorry for stepping on that. That's a wonderful <laughs> word. Uh, uh and made it seem like it was somehow bigger and more important than it really was. Because I actually think the its so-called like uh, expose of the real NFL is actually pretty trite and shallow and something that most people kind of get anyway. Yeah, it's like, sort of an old oh, news. Like, yeah. yeah, the idea that the... Um, uh, the the doctor who works for the team maybe doesn't have the player's best interest long term right at heart if you watch football or if you follow football even a little bit that's not an idea that's new to you mm-hmm. you know and and I, I also feel like a lot of the characters like I like the one guy who although even though the premise is so like one more concussion could kill you and he's yeah like, Lawrence Taylor plays that yeah. uh, character yeah but he's but he's he if he gets a certain number of yards per season he gets a bonus yeah I like the general idea it's handled um in a way over the top and clunky manner yeah. but uh 
again, I, I like the idea. I like the a lot of ideas. Um, sort of like with Remember the Titans. There's a lot of potential. The, yeah. On any given Sunday, but Oliver Stone comes in and focuses on stuff that doesn't need to be focused on. The one thing he does get right is the thing we're talking about: the corporatization. Yeah. Of of football and the way that it's that it's gone from a uh, a pastime for diehard fans to being a multi-billion dollar industry and corporation. Yeah. You know, um, there's talk about like TV timeouts and mm. stuff like that. But also one of my favorite little things in the movie, I don't know why I like it because I don't think it's actually done well by Cameron Diaz, but Al Pacino gives a speech about how like she wants him, she's the new owner. She took over for her father. Right. Uh, she wants him to like talk about it, contract disputes. And he's like, you know how your father and I, uh, uh, sealed my first deal with a uh, with a handshake and a beer. Mm-hmm. And he leaves the room and Cameron Diaz is like, fucking beer? Yeah. <laughs> and that always makes me laugh and I don't know why. I don't but, know if I like the line or if I just think that she delivers it awkwardly. What do you think? Uh, I think I like the line and it also does sort of, uh, you know, her character is uh, very much the sort of the bad guy of the film. And, or her, certainly the mentality is, is viewed as, as negative. But what I do like, that's the thing, is there's, I, I certainly can't write off the film because there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of good performances and I think there's some good dialogue here and there. And one thing that I do like is that as anti-corporatization as the movie is, Al Pacino's character, he tells that story. He has pictures of uh, Vince Lombardi. That's a guy. That's a guy. Like <laughs> a, that's That's like, is that the guy with the... With the the fedora or yeah. the pork pie, whatever what did he wear? Or is that Tom Landry? Uh, no, I don't know. Okay, I d- yeah. Sorry, everybody. I'm probably pissed. I might be pissing off some of yeah, our fans. I'm, I don't know. I get him confused with. Uh, yeah, I get. I get him confused. So, but he's got like pictures of all. Like, Bear all Bryant. These- he wore a hat too, right? But he was college. He was an Alabama coach, Bear Bryant. Oh, okay. I feel like he wore a hat too. Okay, I'm wrong. Sure. I don't know. I'm surprised I pulled uh, Vince Lombardi um, and Tom Landry. I might only know Tom Landry because of the character Landry in Friday Night Lights. So, um, murderer, you know. Spoilers. So, uh, nah, it's not murder, self defense. The um, so Pacino's character has that, and I think he represents the way over sentiment sentimental sentimentalization of sports. And of just where like the way he's the way he talks about that. It's like we sat down with a handshake and a beer. It's like it was probably more than that. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Fucking beer. Seriously. (laughs) So that's one thing. And then uh, but like the way he talks to Jamie Foxx's character (laughs) as like this wise old man who, you know, and and then the way, though, that Cameron Diaz's delivery of that line doesn't get across everything that you're saying to me. It's like she's just disgusted at the concept of beer. Possibly. She's more of a wine, you know, wine and roses type. No, I feel like Kimberly Diaz's character is probably more of a hard liquor type. But I just think, I, I think that the, I like that line because I think she delivers it wrong. And it's, Possibly, funny, to, yeah. it's funny to me. Anyway, sorry, back to your actual point that you were making. Okay. So, uh, you know, and then there's the, the way he talks to Jamie Foxx is as like, he's this wise old man. He's being a little condescending to him. As like, as like, I know how football actually works, you know, and all that sort of thing. And then Jamie Foxx later, like, throws it back in his face. Jamie Foxx is sort of bought into the corporatization, but he's also said like, no, 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 
your way of looking at it, this sentimental way, you're trying to play that card in order to get me to do what you want me to do, just like these people are trying to get me to do what they want me to do. Like, it's like, no, no, you can't treat me like this. Like, it kind of goes back to something that that we've talked about on the show before, uh, and something that Mad Men is about. Is like, oh, the you know the grand old days of football for you weren't so great for someone of my color, mm-hmm. you know, and and throwing stuff like that, and and so in that moment. Even though we're more on Pacino's side than we are Jamie Foxx's, he does have a point, and so I don't like. I do like that. As hyperbolic as the film is, it it not all the characters are black and white, and even James Woods, who's this corrupt They're mostly doctor, either black or white. Though. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but I just mean as far as their as far as their morality, and even James Woods, who's probably trying to just justify his corrupt decisions he plays the the team doctor and he doesn't give somebody he doesn't give lawrence uh i just said his name lawrence taylor lawrence taylor i was like lawrence tate no that's lawrence tate that's different from biker boys yeah (laughs) absolutely and so he doesn't give lawrence taylor like all the information about like his concussions and stuff and they're like really upset with him and he gives what i think is actually a pretty good monologue he might mean it he might not but he talks about it's like who is you know how is this it's like, I knew what he was going to say. He's not going to care about this diagnosis. It's just going to, it's going to, it's just going to worry him. And I'm, st- and I'm taking his dream away from him. And it's, it's ham fisted, but of course, James Woods delivers it really well with a, with a great deal of conviction. And, uh, I don't know. And I, it is a ridiculous movie quite often, mm-hmm. but there are, there are a lot of moments. that's just like, it is indicting. Almost everything about this, but there's good to be had in all of it. And I don't know, it's, there is some nuance to it. Some. Yeah. I think, uh, you talk about James Woods, maybe think of Matthew Modine's character mm-hmm. in the movie and how his sort of like turn to the dark side at the very end is pretty predictable, but right. um, I think Matthew Modine plays it so well. Mm-hmm. Has he ever been less than good in a movie? Like, why is Matthew Dane Modine not more... Why doesn't he work more? He was miscast in Cutthroat Island, but that's not his fault. I never fault. saw that. Um, no, he's always good. You know what? I think... I think... Uh, but... I, I think he's he's a he's a good-looking guy, but his voice is a little high. I, it's not It's not. Hey, Leonardo ridiculous. DiCaprio works, right? DiCaprio's I suppose. Got a has got a prepubescent voice. Does he still? <laughs> I think he does. Okay, it, I I can't really put my finger. Uh, on. I he, do. Uh, Di- DiCaprio can even use his prepubescent voice to do a horrible Boston accent in every other movie he makes, and somehow work. I guess when you've got, uh, I don't think it's horrible. Scorsese I just think it's on your side. I think it's. You know what? I'd rather I'd rather have it be consistently okay, right. than good in some scenes and bad <laughs> in others. Right. Which is why I actually am somewhat okay with his with his accent choice in uh, Blood Diamond. But Matthew Modine. Oh yeah, I actually do like it in Blood Diamond. Uh, Transporter 2. I didn't see it. He's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. But, he's really good in Full Metal Jacket. But Jack. I'm talking about more recent stuff. Oh, okay. That, like, like smaller roles or movies, roles in smaller movies and stuff, but also that one episode of The West Wing that he's in. He is so great. I don't remember what episode that it's is. It's one of the best episodes of all time. Hmm. And it's also one of the most unconventional episodes of all time because it takes place... Not even not in the White House, not even in Washington, D.C. It's when C.J. goes home for her class reunion. That's right. That is a good episode. And he's the um, the old classmate that yeah. she 
meets up with. You know what it might be? He's a very good actor. I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from. I think it's that, and he's a, and he's like a good looking guy. Um, I think it's that the way in which he is good looking, he seems like the ty- he seems like the type of person you could meet and be like, oh, that's a that's a that's a good looking guy. That's a nice guy. He doesn't really have like like star good looks or 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 star charisma yeah. but he's still a very good actor and he can still carry a movie as we see in full metal jacket um well again that wasn't exactly recent right he's in shortcuts also not recent yeah but uh i feel like he should play more bad guys he could be he could be very weaselly i'm sure yeah i think he'd be um, a good bad guy but uh, anyway, that's we're way off topic and way we've gone longer than I had intended us to. So uh, let me ask you this though, actually, okay, real quick. I'm sorry. Um, there is a surprising. You can find this with a lot of sports movies, but you find it with football most of all. There is a surprising percentage of football movies about a guy who's too small to play football. <laughs> well, there's Rudy. There's Rudy. There's Lucas. With uh, Which I never saw. Uh, Corey Haim, yeah. rest in peace. Um, there is a movie called Little Giants. Now it's about an entire football team of misfits, and they're all they're all too small to but Little play Giants this. Is just the bad news bears with football, right? But I feel like that like that era of those movies was kicked off by the Mighty Ducks. Oh, like the Mighty yeah. Ducks sort of brought the bad news, like bad news bears of hockey. Only this hasn't been done for a little while. But then yeah. there was after Mighty Ducks, there were well two more Mighty Ducks movies. But then Little Giants and like the Big Green, the Big Green. <laughs> oh my gosh, who remembers that? Uh, Good for you, Rookie of the Year, which is a mm-hmm. movie that is not exactly the same format, but right. uh, that I tend to lump in. I loved Rookie of the Year so much when I was a kid, though. Funky butt loving. I, yeah, I want it to still be good, but I, I don't know if it's it, probably not. It's probably not. Um, but I know there's a part where Daniel Stern gets trapped between the two doors in the hotel rooms. I, that's terrifying. I have that. Oh it's my like a gosh! Nightmare. I don't think it's physically possible, but well, it was horrifying. Even to my me. knowledge now that hotel rooms aren't built that way still <laughs> may, yeah. like, terrifies me. Yeah, it's like he's going to die. He's going to die. Yeah. And even if he doesn't, he's not going to be the same. Um, but even like uh, the Harold Lloyd film, The Freshman, which I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. It's probably my favorite Harold Lloyd film. Uh, even that has a, a character who is, I mean, in, in, in reality, he's as big as the other guys. But the idea is that he's nerdier, he's not as strong, and he wants to be on the team, but he's just like a, you know, water boy or something like that. Um, it do, There does seem to be a theme of, because I think, you know, football it's all about like these bigger guys but it's all about being part of a team and if you are the weak link in that chain you're going to bring everybody down um i don't know it just struck it struck me as as interesting if you're talking about football movies you will talk about the person the the contingent of uh not contingent there's probably a word, right? I don't know what you're saying. Oh, well, you just the, the subset of okay. movies in which someone, you know, I, one of my favorite lines, uh, it's, okay, friend of the show, Jimmy Pardo, on his podcast, did an impression of Rudy. He said, here's my impression of Rudy. I'm going to do it, Dad. I'm going to do it, bartender. I'm going to do it. It just goes through and just does that. And uh, and that does seem to be, that's like the movie Lucas, which is actually a pretty good movie. That's what I hear. Um, very much, uh, very much the same. But uh, so I just wanted to point that out because I, I didn't want anyone to think that we had ignored that that small subset. Well, uh, please, um, you know, talk on the message board or on uh, via, via email about your favorite football movies, and uh, I wish everyone a happy football season. <laughs> um, 
here's hoping your favorite team goes all the way. Batter up. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, you can find us in the meantime at battleshipretention.com or on iTunes. You can email us, david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash thepretension. Tyler's on Twitter at twitter.com slash morelessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast at morethanonelesson.com or in iTunes. And my other podcast is the weekly television review show Previously On, which you can find at previouslyonshow.com or in iTunes. Whew. All right. I'm just eager to get out of here. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.